from the banks of the mighty Murray and all across the Riverland. It's that time of the week, footy fans. Let's kick on. Every week, the team from the Murray Pioneer and Marks Up bring you all the discussion around the RFL season from a club near you. So sit back, whack on your headphones and grab your favourite beverage because we've got all the RFL action right here, ready to kick on. It's one for the ruse this week as we bring you a very special edition of the Kick-Ons podcast. In the build-up to the celebrations as the Barmer Monash Football Club commemorates its centenary year in the coming weeks. Coming up, we'll have a chat with some legends from across the club's heyday under Buff Tyrrell and the early days of the club as it made its home by the lakeside. I'm your host, Brendan Lyons, sports editor of the Murray Pioneer, and joining me on this trip down memory lane is a familiar face to Riverland football from Mark's Up, Nick Dillon. Dillo, welcome back. Are you ready for this, mate? I'm primed, mate. Two weeks off and ready to go. It is. We had a week off, uh, well, like the uh, RFL did last week. We had the bye um, for, the, for the interleague. Uh, we'll come back to that a bit later. But, uh, yeah, mate, it's, um, yeah, as we get back into it, uh, it's it's a big year down at the lakeside. So um, I'd, I'd imagine you would have lined up against the Roos back in the day, would you? Uh, a long time ago, yeah, in the juniors. Played a little bit of senior footy against, against the Roos and, Always, they're always an interesting proposition, Barman, because you never sort of knew what was going to rock up on the day back when I played juniors. Like some, they had some really good, talented players, but quite often they'd be down in in town playing, playing for West Adelaide. So, um, some days you you were just you know fingers crossed that they, they weren't there, and and you hopefully come away with an easy win. And other days they were there, and you and you know you got got yeah um, got your ass handed to you as it were. So, but uh, you know they've been a, a fan, fantastic and proud football club for a long, long time, and produced a lot of quality footballers who have gone on to bigger and better things. Yeah, uh, one of those uh, we. I got in touch with Port Adelaide uh, during the week and they were kind enough to send us some details on old Des Drogamuller mm. uh, who played uh, for Port Adelaide, won a reserves McGarry medal down yep. there. So that was very kind and thank you to uh, to Port Adelaide for sending that through. But, um, yeah, the, they were kind of like the days, weren't they, those 80s back down there at the lakeside under, you know, Buff Tyrrell. Buff Tyrrell. We'll yeah. mention him later on. Um, but yeah, I, even I remember coming up to the Riverland as a kid in the nineties and, you know, even then those days were almost like mythical, Like yeah. you, you would have lived through it. Um, but, but yeah. What do you remember? Well, actually, oh, I didn't, I didn't live through those days I, in the eighties. Um, you know, I was only a young fellow, obviously, but I hadn't moved up here, but same as you. So you come to the area and you hear about, you know, this, this team that's won all these premierships in, in the eighties under Buff and. How they were just formidable and, and unbeatable, and it's um, you know, some of those blokes that were at the football club at the time are just regarded and so uh, revered at the footy club, and it's um, and Des and, and Buff, and there's, there's countless you know the Vanderbeesens and guys like that that are just you know it, it's almost mythical. Like they talk, and it's the same as Loxton North with their their four premierships as well. So you know when you have those teams that are just so successful over a long period of time, people just. Yeah, they obviously look back on it fondly, but at the same time, they yeah they are revered and and rightly so because you know, I mentioned at the start they've produced so many good footballers at Barmer Monash and uh, um, one of the probably one of the strongest clubs in the Riverland are producing footballers that go on to a higher level and uh, they were still doing that back in the eighties and they're doing it now. Yeah, well that's right. Uh, we've just seen uh, Sam Fisher come off the tail end of his career mm -hmm. and you know that's probably the, the most recent exponent um, that's made it to the top levels. A uh, bit of symmetry this year with Ben Fisher uh, coming back to the club. It's yep. kind of everything's just kind of piling on as this really um, kind of perfect storm for the club mm. this year. So yep. we we thought it was it'd be a good idea if we um, helped with the celebrations and uh, look bringing a bit of attention to the club uh, in the Murray Pioneer this week. We ran a story on the centenary wall, which the club is using as an initiative to not only uh, commemorate the well because they missed out last year because yes. of COVID. Yep. Um, so not only are they commemorating the 100 years a year later and but also using it as a fundraising uh, exercise mm -hmm. as well to sell plaques on the wall and um, I met with uh, Kim Manning uh, down there and he showed me uh, yeah what the plan is and uh, how it's all coming together and it's a great incentive it really is and I guess it's the best thing I find about it is it's not just the the superstars of the football club that are getting their plaques up there, it's supporters and long-time volunteers and they've opened up to everyone and anyone who's been involved with the Barman Monash Football Club who wants to throw their support behind the club again um, over you know, however many years that they've been been around. So 
Um, you don't necessarily need to have been above Tyrrell to get your name up there. You can be, um, you know, old mate supporter who's been been on the sidelines for fifty years and and you know comes into the Barra Manage Club for a beer and a meal, uh, meal every game and and that sort of thing. So that, that's a really good initiative by the Roos. Yeah, and including everyone, it's kind of like uh, they're creating a bit of a um, well, I guess a, a hub if you like uh, for for all those memories to exist, which is great. Mm. So you'll be able to look back, you know, at 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 the end of a game or half time and you know it's just a, a really good conversation starter and yep. you mentioned that it's um for people that uh, have had any involvement with the club because it's one of those things uh with with Barmer Monash that I think's unique is not only has the club sat um for a hundred years but the heart of the town Yes. Like when you come in off the main road, that's the first thing you see is Lakeside Oval. Yeah. You know, you look straight down Barble Avenue from from up on the hill, and the place sits. It sits pride of place in it the does. town, doesn't it? It really does, and it's um, and it's a beautiful oval to play footy at as well. You know, with the lake right there, and um, you know, it's a different oval too. It's narrow, <laughs> as as you know, compared to some of the other ones, and so it's got a lot of uniqueness about it, and um, yeah. Like we've mentioned from the top, it's just been a really good football club for a lot of years, and just glad they get to celebrate there you know, this year after after what they went through last year. Um, would have been pretty tough to have had all that organised and sort of had their plans thrown out the window because of you know something that was out of their control. So just to set the scene uh, before we get to our legends chat, um, I went down to the Barmer Monash Football Club uh, for the the story that we ran about uh, etched in history was was the headline. And uh, Kim Manning, uh, who's been the organiser behind all of this, uh, organised for uh, John Henwood. He organised for his 95-year-old father, George George, Manning, to be there. Um, He organised Graham Gilgan, Tony Vanderbeesen, Joe Hermanson and Jason Kosolke to all be there for the photo. Yeah. And um, as as we wound up the the photo op, uh, Kim just said, "Oh, would you like to have a chat to the fellas?" And I was just like, "Oh, absolutely! That that would be great." So he got all the guys together, and we we sat down like we are here, just having having a drink and talking footy, and we just let the recorder go, and it was fantastic, mate. I got to yep. say, couple yeah. of legends there, mate. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely uh, I stumbled into that one, and it was, um, yeah, it was just absolutely great to just let the guys reminisce, tell the history, how it was, how it happened. So, a couple it, of funny stories in there too. I understand. There's a few. There's yeah. a few that I think with the, the passing of time, they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you will hear all about that. So you're going to hear. Uh, so uh, you're going to hear from John Henwood. You're going to hear from George Manning. You're going to hear from Graham Gilgan and Joe Hermanson and Kim Manning himself. So, like I that, like we just said, there's going to be some funny stuff, and you got to remember that this is back in the day. And you know, there might be some opinions uh, spurned out of this, but uh, <laughs> look, we welcome people's opinions. But just remember, this is from another time, and if it does spark your opinion, we'd like to hear about it. But just remember, keep it tough but fair. And uh, we'll we'll all uh, enjoy this trip down memory lane. So, without any further ado, for the next thirty minutes, this podcast belongs to the ruse. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll catch you on the other side. Way back in nineteen forty nine, when I came to Barmer, all we had was a little little tin shed for a change room and that. But uh, but we used to have picnics and concerts and. We had picnic down Overland Corner, and it was lovely. Have a swim and a fish and everything. It was a, things are more, it's more a business now, but they don't have half as much fun. That's all <laughs> I can say. We'll come to you, John. Now the Henwood name is synonymous with the club. Are you proud to have seen a few generations of your family come through the club over the years? Would have liked to have seen more, of course. But, uh, that's that's the way it is. But, but no, they've all. Uh, automatically come down here and uh, there are lots of options for kids these days in footy but we're, we're pleased to be able to keep the fire burning a little bit. I think one of the most exciting times was the 1962 grand final. That was a draw. You, you couldn't get a you couldn't get anybody else in the Berry Oval that day. She was absolutely chock-a-block. 
and was mainly our supporters because we hadn't won one for 30, 30 years um, at that stage. But went a lot longer than that. But uh, of course, we lost in the in the replay. Yep. Pretty yeah. easy. We got decimated by injuries. Been told that it used to be effectively a shed that the old club rooms used to be. Um, how did all this that we're sitting in today enjoying, how did all that come about? Well, way back in the in the 60s, we started to think about something. And um, by the time, the, well, in actual fact, there was a little bit of money we got out of those grand finals that we put aside. It wasn't much, but it sort of sat there and I was eating it People, somebody wanted to use it for something and said, no, that's for our club rooms. Well, we put together a little club room extension on the, on the old uh, change rooms and uh, we went into there, I think, in 1969 or 70. Um, and that was our first licensed premises. I drank the first beer out of the... The, the, out of the bar there at uh, I think it was uh, 7.30 uh, 7.39 when the bar opened at 8 o'clock <laughs> officially <laughs> And was that one of the best beers you've ever had? It certainly was, yeah That was our first trading then legally and uh, the, all of the money raised up until that stage and it was hard work but it was nice work um, was Illegal sales of alcohol <laughs> to each other. <laughs> you know, we'd run a we'd run a keg uh, around the lake or um, down Sandy at Rice. Uh, Sandy Wright's shed. Yeah, Sandy Wright's shed. Anywhere we'd run a two-up game in my shed or somebody else's shed. That was that was heady days, though. Now, I'm sure things are at the club are a lot more above board now, and you've seen a lot change over the years. Can you tell us about the, the Monash influence on the club? I didn't realise that until uh, a few weeks ago that there were Monash players in the first Premiership team, 1921. Um, um, Blokeman, I'm a, <coughs> pardon me, Mortimer, um, who rucked with, uh, that was there, and then Monash formed their own team, in, uh, I think it was 1922 and three, and failed dismally. I don't think they won a game in two years. Um, so that was there, and then Monash formed their own team in, uh, I think it was 1922 and three, and failed dismally. I don't think they won a game in two years. Um, but uh, then they folded and several players came down to Marmar again then. Mm. And that was back in the 20s. So there's been a, apart from the recent developments, recent call, the post-war, uh, there's always been a connection between Barmer and Monash. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, the clubs uh, made a concerted effort to keep that as part yeah. of the history. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's getting more difficult because uh, even now the with the movement of the Glossop High School that weakens the position a bit, but um, our biggest strength was the young players we had that came uh, in 1956, 57, and uh, they developed uh, into the, the first real bash we had at the Premiership again. Um, and of course, once they faded, we started to lose strength a bit, but it was uh, valuable at the time. Now, Joe, I'll come to you now, mate. Now, the Hermanson name has quite a strong connection to the club during its war years. Is that right? Yeah, my dad was a Radder to Brook and brother. So they, they grew up on the lake here, uh, born in Barmer. Dad was actually born in a tent on the lakeshore. The brother was born in Renmark Hospital, and they grew up here. Uh, Uncle Froggy, his name was. He was a great swimmer, and he played in the... 37 grand final. Yep. Uh, Dad was uh, a little bit young, uh, then played on after that in uh, 38, I think he started, 39, and played here for years. They both went to war, um, <laughs> and the, Uncle Froggy went to uh, 
uh, they went to Gallipoli and they were rats at a brook. And when they came back, uh, Dad come home to Barmara. The uncle stayed in Adelaide, never ever returned till he died, and they buried him out here at wow. 99 and three quarters. Do you remember seeing your dad play? He played till he was oh, getting on a bit. I think I can remember him watching him play when about 55, I don't know. Uh, then I came along and played from about, I go for about 63. Um, went to Adelaide a couple of years and a couple of clubs, uh, but come back here and coached in <laughs> 50, uh, 75, 76. Uh, one of those years that got away, 76, we got in the grand final and yeah, got rolled over pretty well and, and the same as John said, uh, the Barry Oval, uh, that was packed that day too. Uh, George here, with sitting here, uh, pinched someone's pigeons and painted them red and gold and let them fly from the Oval. We had cars going around the Oval painted red and gold. Um, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big letdown to me because we had a good side. Um, got rolled over in the first quarter and, and uh, just couldn't come back. But uh, And then I played on here till oh, early 80s, I suppose. Um, so Steve McFarlane coached after me and then Bob should come here and I think probably Bob started to get a fair side together and um, probably Buff was lucky enough that he took over from Bob and I think that's where it all started. Now for some of our listeners that may not know, the Barmer Monash Football Club used to actually be red and gold and they were called the Pelicans. Joe, you said you played during the 80s. Can you tell us a bit about that period where the club did change to becoming the Roos and what, why did the club decide to change its identity? Bob thought that uh, we had a lot of outside umpires coming up and they didn't recognise our colours. Uh, and he thought because it was double blue years ago, it, it came in line with Sturt colours. And with the Adelaide umpires coming up, uh, he thought we might have got a better, better deal, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Right. Um, but there was a lot of people didn't want to change the colours uh, because it was always, oh, it was George's days, I suppose. You were two blues, were you, George? No, I didn't ask me were you two blues or all red and gold always? Red and gold, well, I was the end of blue and red. Blue and red, okay, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so then I, I think I only played a couple of years well after we changed our Guernseys, um, so I was always more red and gold. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. How long did it take for the adjustment to settle in? No, I don't think there was much of a change, was there? Um, so, uh, hand coaches in 73 in the grand final and... and uh, yeah, they were red and golds, and we went uh, right through up to then, and uh, it was just Bob's idea on his yeah on his own, I think, that started it. Um, whether it's well, whether it worked or not, I don't know. But eventually we got there. But yeah. uh, I'd retired by the time they won their first, and I thought about coming back, and I thought, no, I can't jump on the bandwagon now, so I never come back. Yep, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And you, uh, ever since you um, stopped playing for the club, you've still had a pretty close relationship, yeah? Yeah, probably when I first started, I had to stay away because I couldn't bear watching because I, I wouldn't play. Uh, I got involved as a trainer and uh, still didn't feel the involvement like you do when you play. Mm. Uh, but I still used to rub down people and they come to my place with for injuries and stuff and still do. Yep. Uh, and it's been a wonderful club to me and uh, been my life. Uh, and, and we look at that wall out there, there's a guy called Ian Wallace, uh, was a very, very average B grader, but he's got a plaque on the wall and he doesn't even mention his career as footballer, but he says it's the best club he's ever played, <coughs> best guys he ever played with, and uh, that's what that plaque and that wall's about. Yeah. They yeah. don't have to be players. That's anyone that's involved with their club. We've appreciated the effort they've put in. Yep. Graham, yeah, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your involvement with the club? I came up here in 72, lucky enough to play in the Colts Grand Final and win that one the first year. Um, yeah, and I've been here ever since. So, same Joe and John, you know, you get tangled up with a club and it's very hard to leave. Um, and, yeah, we've just been involved through played through the 80s in those premierships and now graham your family still has a very close connection to the club's modern day in that your son Corey gilgan is the a-grade coach would you say this has been a family orientated club yeah it is because uh it just 
ties them to the club um, and it's good that he, he, he played through his junior footy and, and A grade here and uh, yeah, and he's come back and, and uh, had a go at coaching and yeah, no, it's good. Yep. Football clubs are the centre of the town and even I remember coming up here as a kid. Did the, the town change much or did it help to set the scene in the town that period uh, when the club was really up and about during the 80s? We were lucky back then that um, kids stayed in, in, in the Riverland, uh, whereas now the, most of them go to Adelaide for employment. Um, and, yeah, we were lucky we, we maintained a side you know, for 10 years probably uh, without too many changes. And, yeah, that was, I think that was the biggest reason uh, we had the success, the success we did. Kim, we'll come to you. Um, how did the centenary wall idea come about? It uh, came around last year, actually, uh, through COVID, um, and we we'd just done a uh, you know quite a lengthy renovation on the on the club for eight or nine hundred thousand dollars, and we didn't have income last year because there was no footy. So we're trying to think of different ways that we could uh, raise some money, and it's no good doing a chook raffle and stuff like that. We're going to pick up a thousand dollars here and there. We needed to do something much more serious. So we come across ideas of. Um, engraving um, the uh, pavers out the front and a few other ideas, but apparently the pavers weren't the right quality they'd wear. And uh, so we sort of let it slide for a while. And I just happened to walk out the back door with uh, an old mate, Des Druggemuller, who was a star back in the day as well. We ended up playing a bit of footy for Port Adelaide. And uh, we turned around and looked at that wall and there was seven metres of wall with about four or 500 bricks that we, we thought we, well, it was probably a thousand bricks, but by the time we put the tidal up there, you, you lose a bit of space. So we've probably got room for four or five, four or 500 bricks. So I thought um, instead of buying a brick uh, and doing something along that line, we, I, I did some research and, and, and found the latest stuff that they've invented in uh, the US, which is a stainless steel shimmy over um, uh, this special plastic, whatever they engrave. Uh, uh, and it looks amazing. So uh, we come up with that and uh, got on to a company in Sydney that imports it. And they sent some samples over and I rejected the first few and we come up with the next one and uh, sent it over and it, it looks, uh, I was really happy with it because I had seen some stuff that was engraved and it had been out in the sun and it just um, tarnishes and fades and, you know, in 10 years' time you can't read it. Mm. I want this to stand for 100 years and so stainless steel, uh, I can't see that ever fading. Uh, what's the uptake been like? Uh, it took off pretty good. We've got about 100 up there at the moment, but uh, I'm after a hell of a lot more. Uh, so anybody that's had anything to do with the club, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily about how good you were. We're after trainers. Uh, we've got we've got trainers up there. We've got uh, people that just wave the flags, um, managers, anybody, uh, players, whatever, anyone that's just about the people that have gone through the club over the last 100 years. Yep. And we're after their history. We don't just want a name. We don't just want somebody's name that doesn't tell you anything. I want your plaque to tell us something about you. So we've got three lines where you can put part of your history. Some people have got a huge history where they can't fit much on. Some people don't, but it's not about how much you've done. But, um, yeah, it's um, I, want the, I want the wall to tell a story. So at halftime or at the end of the game, you turn around and you might look back and go, oh, I remember playing with that guy. You know, visitors will come from town and they go, oh, I remember playing with that bloke in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s or whatever it may be. So uh, that's how the idea came around. Yep. And uh, for people who are thinking about, uh, you know, putting, getting a, a plaque up there, how, how do they go about that? Uh, they can either go on uh, Barmer's Facebook, uh, Barmer Monash's uh, Facebook uh, site. Uh, there's a link which probably is one of the top links. We've pinned it to the top. Or there's a manual um, form that you can get from the club. Uh, or if somebody wants to either contact the manager, she'll put you on to me or anyone else that can help you. Yep, you mentioned the wall is for everyone that's been through the club and it takes all sorts for football clubs to be successful. Now, you would have had some characters come through the club, I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely is, but it's not just about all the people that have done a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of people that have done a hell of a lot. Um, there's been a hell of a lot of characters that have gone through the club that probably haven't been involved in uh, coaching or whatever, but you still remember them. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, there's one supporter here who I won't um, bring his name up, and uh, he was here, he was here for years and years. I don't even know if he ever played a game of footy here, but you can hear him bellowing over the... Uh, over the oval, these blokes will know who I'm talking about. 
Um, you know, he, he's pretty controversial and, you know, yells at the white maggots out there and all that sort of stuff. So he's a bit of a larrikin. But, you know, that, they're the kind of characters you remember. So you don't necessarily have to be um, a superstar. It's just about the characters and the people that have gone through the club Hopefully we remember him in 100 years. Yep. So, Kim, there's been uh, plenty of uh, great stories that have happened out on the field, but you mentioned to me off-air that there's a few uh, stories off the field that have happened over the years that have uh, been quite legendary about the club. Perhaps you could fill us in on that. Yeah. We, we certainly had a lot of fun uh, with the grand finals that we had one, but uh, one of the losing ones where we lost to Berry uh, sticks in my mind when Bob Fisher was the coach. And we used to have... Um, we used to have parties behind the um, ANZ Bank, I think it was, in those days, which we don't even have a bank anymore. So the bank manager would put on a big barbecue on the Mondays. Anyhow, that, that stage when the uh, the party was on, we had a circus in town, something like Ashton Circus or whoever it was. So um, Bob Fisher thought, let's go up to the circus and see if they'll give us an animal. I don't know, he was going to try and get a camel or something. I don't know what he was going to... They gave him a monkey. So he came back down the monkey, uh, came back down the street with the monkey, and um, I remember the monkey sitting on the barbecue eating the sausages and um, and the bloody fried onions and all that. Anyway, so they started walking around to all the shops with the monkey, and the monkey jumped jumped up on the on the on the teller's um, counter and uh, <laughs> and it dropped the nugget on the on the on the counter so the old bank manager said oh i see the monkey's later deposit <laughs> he dropped the nugget on there and then um terry fisher came down because they were they were actually the winning uh they were the grand finalists so he came down he said oh this is a better show than what we got up at berry so by the end of the night they um they'd, they'd stripped him off and tied him to the fountain in the main street <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up coming to barmer they also got the trainer they gaffer taped him to an extension ladder and stood it up against the town clock no Rudy Rudy Uh, no that was Gussie White and Rudy was Gussie White they tied him strapped him to the ladder and and stood it up against the the town clock and just pelted him with beetroot and tomato they did that with Rudy one year too and left him I had to go, I was in the butcher shop, I'd go down and get him up, get him off. They left yeah. walked off. That's only one of many, but <laughs> So I is this just, uh, the real story behind how the Fisher Cup was born then? It probably is, probably is, yeah. But we used to have a lot of fun down there behind the bank and yep. um, they were good days. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be allowed to do it anymore. No, we, no. Yeah, no. some yeah. of the stuff we used to do. Yeah. yeah. So actually, Bobby Fisher was coaching, coaching Berry and then he retired and uh, I was working in Berry at the time. And I hounded him every lunchtime. He was working the Bow Repairs. And I hounded him every every lunchtime to come and coach Barmer. And he he said, look, I don't know. He said, but he ended up going getting the, the doctor's certificate to say he reckons he was okay. And he put in for the job and was here for how many years? Five, maybe, did he? Coach for five years? So probably oh, right from right. about uh, yeah, 70, 79 to when did Buff turn up? 81? Yeah, so maybe maybe longer than that. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so let's dive into it, guys. Kim, uh, you played under the Buff Tyrrell era. Can can you tell us your recollection of uh, that period for the club? Some of my Tyrrell memories era. of the uh, the Tyrrell era and the Bob Fisher era, who probably kicked it uh, kicked it off, uh, were were the training sessions, uh, and then. Um, Bob Fisher was probably pretty close to the ballpark. We, we played several um, grand finals and lost them all. Uh, Buff Tyrrell came and just put, put a little bit of polish on us. Uh, picked up the training a little bit. We would train um, Sunday mornings after the game. Mondays uh, we would train again. That was a hard session, so we did a 8K warm-up uh, run. We got to what we call Fletcher's Hill, where we'd probably do 30 a minimum of probably 30 pull-throughs, which were uphill and downhill. <laughs> At the bottom of each of those pull-throughs, you'd do 10 and 10. So there's 300 sit-ups, 300 push-ups in the warm-up. Then it was a sprint back to the oval where training would start. And Tuesday was a normal training and Thursday and you'd play Saturday. So we had two days off a week. If you didn't make training, you had to come up with a good excuse or you did extra afterwards. Uh, and he was pretty pretty firm on that too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, fond memories of the Vanderbeesens and Millard families, which uh, were big names back in those days. Uh, Vanderbeesens were hard nuts. Um, people were 
seriously frightened of those guys. Uh, they're only little Dutch boys, but man, they, they went in hard. A uh, bit of a different game now. You can't can't do what those blokes used to do. But uh, we had a, a, a very awesome team back in the 80s. I don't think they were that dirty. I think they were just hard. No, they didn't say them. dirty. No, but you said you can't do it. But they could we do can't that. Can't do coat hanging like anymore. <laughs> but they they were good. They were good club people, and, and they, they love football. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. that's you, what they hate. Rudy came up first. Uh, Rudy and oh, Tony. The whole family came up. Uh, oh, Haiti was in Adelaide. Um, so Haiti came up when I coached and lived with me for a while. And um, then built a house around the new area. And uh, they played footy here, the three of them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they did. The opposition talked about them being dirty, but I don't think they were that dirty. But I wouldn't. Uh, Just a little bit. I wouldn't have upset them because <laughs> one, you upset one, the whole lot were in and. And that's what it was about. They were brothers and they, they stuck as brothers. Played like brothers. <laughs> yeah. I also think in the 80s too, we, we were very lucky that we had uh, some talent that came into town. We had a couple of guys from Cummins, uh, one who's not with us anymore. Colin Hogan was uh, a bloody good footballer. Uh, Glenn Millard, whose family, well, um, Dylan is now coaching Loxton, who's uh, on top of the ladder. Uh, like His kids are superstars, mate. They are... They, uh, uh, state basketballers, state country footballers, they're a very talented family. So we're very lucky we had blokes like that, Butch Peddler, uh, another guy that came from Cummins uh, over there, they, they all came and stayed, married local girls, well, except for Butch. Um, and we were just lucky to have, you know, blokes like that come into town that stayed, moved in, met the local girls. So yeah. uh, You mentioned uh, Buff's uh, regime there. It sounds pretty much like A-League uh Schedule there was that kind of the mentality he brought to the club uh, off off his uh, time with Woodville. I think he expected a lot out of it. He probably expected too much out of us, especially at the start. I think he softened a little bit at the end. He was pretty hard uh, right at the start, and uh, he was a full forward. He came he came in. Sorry, he was a backman, but he ended up being a forward. And he used to play centre half back, and I was uh, a very average back flanker. I thought, uh, and he was on my case all the time. And after a while it got to me and I ended up telling him to go and, and he sent me off off the field uh, he was pretty tough coach yeah mm. following the first couple of years I think he uh, settled down and we had a lot a hell of a lot of fun with him he was a very funny man um, great coach and a very funny man but uh, footy was footy and he was out there to win. So now we flash forward to the modern day. Is there a bit of symmetry about Ben Fisher coming back to the club for the centenary year? When you were talking to the other guys before, I was thinking of some of the players that have sort of gone through or come through the club, uh, you know, with the Terry Fisher moving down from Berry to Barmer and Sam's gone on and played uh, AFL for St Kilda and Ben was, I think, was he captain of West Adelaide. Um, to have that experience, uh, I mean, I know he's a bit on the, he's a little bit older now, but, um, you know, just have a level head and somebody that's had exp league experience, it's always handy. Anybody, any of the teams that have got uh, league players, it's just, uh, it brings another side of uh, professionalism to, to the team. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming down here today. Right. Thank, thank you for your time. Much. It's yeah. great. Thanks for kicking on with us, fellas. Cheers. No worries. No, Thanks for coming in. <laughs> so what a trip that was, mate, through the club's history. And uh, some great stories in there, wasn't there? It's, it's important that to document stuff like that because... You know, obviously, as, as time passes and, and you know we, we lose people, um, you, know, you don't want to lose those stories to history. Um, so it's great to have that documented and some good stuff and there's some funny stuff and, and just some really important things about the Barman Munich Football Club and some over you know, different periods of time as well. Yeah, and I, I just like that we kind of stumbled on perhaps the real story behind the Fisher Cup. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it's, it's a proud... Well, not proud cup, because <laughs> that's Locks and Locks and North, but it's obviously a proud tradition. But um, yeah, the the Fisher family are uh, absolute le legends of of both clubs. But that uh, that story is a different one. It certainly is, mate. So uh, we we thank uh, yeah the club uh, for that access, and it was uh, an absolute great afternoon hanging out with the with the boys there down at the uh, the front bar of the Barmer Monash Football Club. So, mate, um, we had last week off, and uh, well, the the footy world still spins, doesn't it, mate? There's, so, we'll just do a bit of a whip around and catch up with uh, what happened around the long weekend. And our Riverland boys teamed up with uh, their compatriots down in the Mallee. 
uh, for the interleague game against the Hills. Unfortunately, we came up short um, to Hills 10-7-67 to Riverland Mallee 7-9-51. But, uh, yeah, the boys put on a really strong performance in the second half to, to yeah. come, come back with a wet sail. I think, yeah, I think given it's the first time we've had a combined Riverland Mallee team, that, you know, a lot of these Hills guys would have played obviously alongside each other, but they would have seen each other play for a long time. And the Riverland and Mallee guys are going to take some time to get used to each other. Um, and that will build over the years if we continue this partnership. Um, I think it's a good matchup playing against Hills Div 2. It's probably about right for where we are. Um, you know, I think the Riverland would probably go, if they put in a full-strength team, would probably go down there and give Hills 2 a, a, a touch-up. Um, Riverland, Mallee, sort of a bit of half and half, and both both uh, legs, I don't think it put in their, all of their best players. So, um, you know, it was probably, probably the right matchup. And, yeah, going down there as well was a pretty brave effort. Tim Wilford, big game from him, and former uh, former Loxton North and Wonka player Nathan Brown, who coached the side. Of, uh, no, not coached, so captain the side, I think, yeah, played a, that's played right. a blinder yep. as well. So Yeah, and all led by uh, legend uh, Rod Rocket Maynard as well. Yeah, Rocket down there. I think well, Matthew Dent might have been the uh, – the coach, the former former Western Bulldog. Yes, yeah, yeah and, that's uh, right. But uh, Rocket was around the place. I think he was assistant coach, and he I think he coached the juniors on the day as well, the Mallee juniors. So um, it's good to see interleague footy back. And I'll tell you what I love, Lions, is those Guernseys with black with the red V. Um, it's, it's a good look. It is good. It's it's formidable. I, I don't it know. Is. It's yeah. sort of like the mean machine from um, <laughs> remember the movie with uh, Vinnie Jones, and you know, it was like the British version of the Longest Yard. They yeah. were the black and red, and yeah, quite intimidating. <laughs> Oh, they look good. That's it. And it's a classic look as well. Uh, we, we've had the Guernsey chat on here before. And, uh, yeah, just simple, bold, intimidating. Yep. Staring staring across at that from the other side of the field, you'd uh, you'd be thinking twice that these fellas might be out for blood. So, mm, yeah, it ties in well, doesn't it? Abs- <laughs> absolutely, mate. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, just talking about the bloods as well, our under-18s uh, playing down at West Adelaide. Tell you what, mate, that crop of boys is doing very well at the moment. It's it's reminiscent of when we had a group coming through in the early 2010s that ended up playing, a lot of them ended up playing in the, the senior flag. Um, a lot of good kids at the football club now who are playing some really good footy. I know uh, Dylan White from Remark's playing playing exceptional footy for under-18s and reserves. Uh, Jesse Thackeray as well um, from Loxon North doing a terrific job. Mitch Hahn. Um, yeah, you can. You, you've got the photo there in front of you. You can list all, all of those boys. But the, the other one that um, might be a surprise pack in the next couple of weeks, mate, is Bailey White from Remark. So you got Dylan and Jordan White who are who are playing under 18s at the moment. And uh, Bailey's a couple of years younger. I think he's still only 14. But he went down to training recently during the Sapsaza Carnival and absolutely killed it. And I reckon he might even sneak in for a game. He's um, he's a very serious young player, Bailey White. I mean, wouldn't that be a great story for all the White brothers mm. to be playing for Westies? And yep. look, I, I think it's a very real, um, yeah, uh, a real uh, chance that it could happen because, I mean, uh, Bailey, well, in between winning cross-country championships just the other week, um, he actually coached the Riverlands mm. uh, Sap Sarza side with yes. his brother Bailey as well. So, oh, with uh, Jordan. Oh, sorry, with Jordan. Yeah. Sorry, I'm already getting confused Jordan with all these killing. whites. There's, there's a lot of them. There's Luke, Lucas coming through as well. I think they've got a younger sister too. So, yeah, they're, uh, they're a very proud uh, sporting family, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we watched that one with bated breath because at the moment we've got uh, 11 on the list. Mm. Um, eight are playing, and we could see another one pop up there. Well, Connor Blackwell will be back in this week. He's been he's had concussion and uh, he might have had a knee injury or something like that as well. So he's had a couple of little issues, and but he'll come back in as well. So um, you know, they've got some got some really good Riverland talent there, and that's that's a credit to those kids, but it's also a credit to Westies. I think what they've done recently is they've. Um, They've really invested heavily in in bringing their program to the Riverland and to the Mallee. So it's not just making the kids go down there all the time. They have the academy up here and they get together all the time um, up in the Riverland and get to train together. And, you know, when they're bringing Brad Gotch up here, when they're bringing Wayne Seekman up here and Paul Streetfield as well, I think that's a fair indication of where how, how much West Adelaide values the Riverland. And talking with uh, Tim Jackson, who uh, looks after all of our boys mm. up here, uh, he told me that, yeah, Paul Streetfield actually, um, it was his idea to start running these Lurup Oval uh, yes. training sessions over the summer just to 
give the guys that chance to get that fitness, get get their uh, legs right um, coming into the season. And, you know, for that reason that, yeah, they don't always get the opportunity to map the train down in the cities. Yeah. So this just kind of bridges that gap. So It helps mum and dad too. When mum and dad aren't having to travel to Adelaide a couple of times a week just for footy, you know, that's a, it's a big ask on, on parents. And uh, so any, any way that West Adelaide can make it easier and all the Sandford clubs can make it easier, I'm sure they're all looking into it and, and uh, I think the, they're starting to reap some of that fruit now, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move across and uh, have a look at the action ahead this weekend. Um, so we look at Wakery versus Loxton. Now, uh, this is uh, – we've kind of uh, just got past that point where everyone's playing each other again. Mm. So when they last played, the uh, Wakery came off uh, – that. well, they were the – they were quite vanquished. Yeah, second I best think, sure. I don't think they were expecting that one. But this time, I think that despite the challenges they've had with uh, injuries as of late and they've had to find some tough, at, at some times, some ugly ways to win as mm-hmm. of late, I think they're going to be ready for this one. Well, that's what good sides do, don't they? They, they were challenged by Berry and uh, managed to get over the line. Um, you know, they had a really good win over Remmark. Um, you know, this is despite losing a number of players throughout the year to either injury or just unavailability. And uh, you know, Wakery, as Wakery does, have managed to pull off another little coup, recruiting coup, right before the uh, June 30 deadline, mate, with big Dustin, uh, I think it's Dustin Gordon, is going to come in and slide in a full forward and take Mummy's place. So um, this guy can, can play from all reports, the centre-half forward, and is going to come in and play full forward for the Magpies. And um, But, uh, yeah, very handy get right before the uh, the clearance deadline that's for sure yeah it's uh quite a coincidental timing isn't it but yeah. uh with a man like yourself who's got your finger on the pulse there um yeah uh you, you've said he'll he'll slot in up forward uh do you think it, it'll it'll be a like for like what they lost with mummy um that's the role uh, I, dustin will play I don't, i'm not sure if he'll play in the ruck like mummy would have yeah. mummy would have played a fair bit up the ground and as well um so i think he'd be more of your stay at home forward but um yeah, from all, what I hear, yeah, very talented, just as good as Mummy, um, if not better. Um, and then, you know, you've, they've brought in Matt, Matt Spensley's come back to the club as well, so that, that's huge. I, I think they'll get Jake Spensley back maybe maybe by the uh, July by, maybe. Um, I mean, they'll be hoping to get him back as soon as possible. But, yeah, if they get the, all their pieces in place, all of a sudden, you know, from where they were a month ago to where they are now, they're looking very, very dangerous again. Yeah, absolutely. And having that um, extra, uh, yeah, put guy up front there potentially with uh, with Gordon coming in, I think this could open the door for Brendan Moon, who's had to kind of, uh, you know, fill, fill a bit of gap lost um, with mm-hmm. Mummy and uh, because that that happened back in round one, but. Uh, Brendan Moon has stepped up multiple times, been in the best players, slotting goals, um, but now he might be able to get off the leash a little bit rather than having to, you know, um, do do the, so much heavy lifting maybe. Oh, absolutely. It's the same as yeah, any team. You bring in some quality players and others benefit from it. You know, there, there's um, there's going to be some huge benefits from that. So and the other good thing is Wake we've blooded some kids over the past month or two. You know, Cade Hilton's come in and done the job. They've um, had Jack Colbert come into the ruck and, and play well. Um, and we saw what Lockie Nitschke did after the siren, which we, we'd better mention, mate. And what a what a thrill for the young fella to uh, to uh, get a kick after the siren to win the, win the game for his team. That's right. How, how better argument can you give Shane Stevens? Don't drop me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the man for the job. <laughs> I'm the man for the moment. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah. Put the ball in my hand when the game's there to be won. And he's a good young kid. So. Um, great to see him uh, do that, and he'll, he'll remember that forever. It's, it's a dream, isn't it? When you grow up as a kid, you, you want to kick the winning goal, you want the ball in your hands, and it's a bit different wanting it and actually then being able to execute as well un, under pressure. And that was a simple kick, and simple enough kick. It was 35 metres out, but the pressure, um, and it can be a little bit windy down there at Berry sometimes as well, so the, the pressure on him would have been enormous, and he's lived up to it. Yeah, and, you know, he's responded and well done, Lockie, and he's been rewarded with selection again yep. this week. So well done and uh, have a good one out there, mate. Um, it's going to be interesting because over the other side of the coin, look, um, 
Yeah, Dylan Millard hasn't come back uh, no. from the Renmark game where he actually didn't make it through the warm-up. It was uh, a calf, wasn't it, in the, the warm-up or was it a hammy? Uh, well, from what I saw, um, he went straight to the bench, uh, came back out in his tracks and had uh, ice uh, towards the lower part of the leg, so yep. around the ankles. So yeah, okay. whether it's something new, something related, uh, I, I don't know, but it was enough to keep him out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, a, that's obviously a big loss. But on the other side, of it, he'll get the opportunity now to coach from the bench um, and have a real, I guess, a, a different feel for the game from there and be able to sort of see things play out. Whereas on the field, you sort of trying to coach and play can be pretty difficult. Although I'm sure he's got a great uh, off-field team around him. But um, Will Gucci back in is a big bonus for Dylan to get be able to go, okay, I'm out, but at least I've got Will back. You know, the cavalry's back there. Um, they're nearly full strength, I think, apart from Dylan. So... Yeah, they'd be wanting to bounce back because I don't think their last three or four weeks have been, well, certainly not as scintillating as their first two, have they? Not at all. No, the the game I saw against Renmark, they uh, look, the skills were there. Um, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that, but it was just the execution of it all. Um, you know, getting up forward, you know, burning opportunities here or there. They catch up with you after a while. Yeah. And uh, look, yeah, um, look, they'll bounce back from that. I mean, that you, you don't want to use that. Uh, no, I won't. I, now, I'm not going to say that they were due one, mm. but you you will have moments where, you know, look, Renmark were just formidable that that day. So well, Renmark are a quality side when they've got their, yeah. their team up and about, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. So, look, it's um, it definitely just a blip, I think, on the radar um, for, for Loxton. Nothing to be uh, concerned about. Um, that They will bounce back. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to throw every – you know, just have have that week off to get themselves back together and then throw everything at this contest. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going down the road. Uh, and down there, yep. yep to, to see this one this weekend. No, it should be a cracker. And then when you look at ladder positions, obviously it just adds a, an added bonus into it, doesn't it? I mean, with uh, with Wakery sitting, sitting top at the moment with a healthy percentage, Loxton drops another one and, you know, Remark wins there. They drop out of that top two, so... A win here would be absolutely huge because then they've got you know, the bottom three teams to come after that. So um, I think you're right. They'll throw everything at this one, but they're up against a pretty damn good side. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. So we'll uh, move across to the uh, next game, uh, Loxton North and Berry. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit frustrated um, the, the, the way it's worked out this season. I haven't been able to see Loxton North. It's it's really getting to me. I need I need some facts and figures to work. You off could here. be the difference maker out there, and they might uh, might just get them over the line because they've been close a couple of times. <laughs> they certainly have, yeah. And look, you know, there's no reason why they can't come out and uh, and get this one against Barry. I mean, they were they were damn close the first time they met mm. earlier this year. So there's there's no reason why they can't. Yeah, and at home as well. I think. Bit similar to Loxton, that they've got everything to play for and nothing to lose. So they they'll throw everything at this game. Um, looks like they've got a number of young kids in again, which is great to see. Um, but uh, you know, Barry will be up and about as well um, at the moment because at the moment you know, that they're whether they're sitting ahead of Barmer on the on the ladder, they're uh, they've got that one point buffer on Barmer and they need to continue that. So a, a win tomorrow against Loxton North would be would be massive for them. So, but I think um, yeah, North everything to play for at home. I think the crowd up down there will be uh, up and about as they can be at times, and um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be getting behind their side. But uh, yeah, big challenge for North. I'd almost go to the point saying this is crucial for Barry that they've got to get this one done because yeah, like, like you just said, um, now that Barham and Monash have uh, have crept in there now with mm-hmm. their first win, look. You know, I've I've been um, on the Berry bandwagon uh, all season, saying how much potential they've got. But I think this is crunch time now. Yep. If these guys are going to seriously be a contender, all that potential they've got to get, they've got to focus that now. And you know, a win here is could set up the back half of the season. You have got to beat the teams below you, don't you? Yeah. Especially if you want to play finals. That's so right. They've only got two below them, so they're the ones they've got to win. And then then there's that draw that comes into it as well. So that that puts Berry in a vulnerable position because they do have the percentage advantage on Barmer, but if that draw comes into it and uh, and Berry lose a couple that they shouldn't, then then Barmer could quite easily sneak above them. So the pressure will be on. No Brody Thompson again tomorrow, so they'll be hoping to get uh, the big fella back as soon as they can. And I don't think Thomas Finlay will be playing either, so they'll be a little bit undermanned. So a little bit of a chance there for Loxton North to maybe come away with a win there, but um, you know. 
looking across the board, you know, some of the, the guys that Barry have got in their in their team, you'd, you'd think that they've got the quality. But who knows this season, mate? Like, it could go either way. Yeah, anything can happen and probably still will happen, I think. Now we move across to Renmark and Barmer Monash here, mate. Uh, look, you know, probably uh, just going on the last time they met, you would say that this one's going to be, um, you know, it was pretty one-sided the last time they met. Yeah. But I think Barmer and Monash have improved a lot since then. I think so too. And I think this is going to be a closer contest. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope so for Barmer's sake. It's one of those things that you want to see throughout the year, especially when you get to play teams multiple times is, you want to see improvement every time. And it might not necessarily be on the scoreboard, but it might be in the way you play. It might be individually. So they'll be looking at a number of those things and they'll have key indicators, I'm sure, where they go, okay, well, we're doing this well. We're doing this much better than last time we played against Renmark. So um, a big challenge for them to come up to Renmark, though, and, and uh, try and knock off the Rovers who are in ripping hot form at the moment and uh, and they get uh, arguably their best player back in. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Now, do you think with Barmer Monash, do you think that 100-point deficit, do you think that'll be the measuring stick off the back of this one? Like if they, you know, if they come up short by, say, now I'm not saying that this will be the margin, but say, for instance, if they came up short this time by, say, 30 points, 40 points, do you still look at that and think, well, that's an improvement? Oh, that's oh, that's a massive improvement on last time. And Remark were pretty inaccurate as well from, from memory. Yes, correct. Um, so, so that'd be a huge improvement, but it wouldn't. It won't just be score that Corey will be looking for. Um, he'll be looking for a competitive. Look, they'll back themselves in to knock them off. You know, they're coming off a win last week. Um, they'll be trying to take that in into this week. I know they've still got a couple out. They were very undermanned against Loxton North as well. They had a huge amount of guys out. So that score will certainly be one, but it'll be. You know, I'm sure they'll be looking to win contested bowl inside fifties, all those sorts of things, and just little indicators and. You know, there might have been someone from Remark that got a hold of them last time and they'll be trying to shut them out of the contest. So, um, yeah, that, that's what Barmer will – and if they keep doing those little things and keep backing in their kids like they are, then that improvement's just going to come steadily. So um, I think they'll get closer than, than what they did last time. And a key factor in all of this is going to be, as you just touched on, um, arguably uh, Remark's best player so far this season in Jack Agostino. Mm -hmm. He is back from concussion um, that, he, that he sustained back against Wakeree in the opening uh, minute of the match. Yep. Um, you, you, arguably their best player, arguably their best recruit as well so far mm -hmm. this year, bringing in match-winning performances with zero cost of points. Yep. So, and you could almost argue he's the... The best player in the competition on his day, so yeah, yeah it's a massive in for them, and uh, doesn't help Barmer's cause that's for sure. But they're just starting to build their A grade side, get a little bit more consistency around that now. Um, I know their B grade, they're still rotating blokes in and out. They've just got so many players in, in their squad at the moment, which is which is a good thing and a bad thing. It'll be tougher later on in the season, but right now it's given them the opportunity to get blokes right. If they've got an injury, let's let's rest them. Let's um, let's make sure we get our our best 21 out there come the second half of the season. So yeah. they're primed at the moment, Remark. Yeah, absolutely. Because looking back at that win that they had against Loxton without Jack, they were still able to find answers. And, you know, because uh, I think it was, yeah, Fraser Sampson slotted kind mm -hmm. of into that role that um, Jack would do, yep. just bouncing off of half And, and he's, he's quality. Yeah. Fraser, he's, he's a very, very good footballer. So, you know, you're not – not missing a huge amount slotting Fraser in there for Jack, so that, that's really good for them. And I guess that's the difference between Remark and Loxton, isn't it? Remark loses Jack Agostino, who's their, their best player, and Loxton loses Will Gucci, and the difference between the two was, was measurable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I think the, um, the key to this game, again, is always going to be the influence of the Wolfords, mm -hmm. um, that, that runoff of halfback. Bummer and Monash have got to shut that down. Like, uh, right from the from the get go, yeah. almost. I wonder yeah. if they've got a, a sort of a dangerous sort of uh, defensive half forward that can can shut shut off that run. But they're going to need a couple of them. That's the issue when you've got got multiple threats coming off half back. It's it's difficult to contain. So, um, you know, but Barmer have got some talented forwards up there too. Brody Fritz been in good, good nick. Yeah. Um, Dylan Lefty is a very very good footballer. Um, you know, Mason Middleton on his day. You know, we know what he's capable of. Um, Benny Drogamuller, if he plays forward as well. So they've got some good forwards up there, but whether they can you – know, maybe Corey goes the other way instead of going defensive. He goes, well, let's just get this get this footy in nice and deep. Let's give our forwards the best chance possible and, and play an attacking style of, of play that makes the, the Remark halfbacks accountable. 
Yeah, 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 that's that. Put it back on them, yeah, yeah in a way. Yeah, yeah, good call. And because, uh, yeah, I think Brody Frid kicked, uh, was it four against Loxton North in the win? He kicked He kicked a few recently, I know that. Yeah, yeah and even yeah. the week before, he might have kicked a couple. Yeah, well, so, so. It, in, in good form, and, and there's no reason why they can't take this right up to the Rovers, I don't think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, mate, so um, over to the Indies, mate. Um, yeah, uh, you've. Uh, yeah, what's been happening over there during the break? Uh, well, it's been good to have the break, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that, that I know there's a number of clubs that are battling for for numbers with with injuries and everything. So, and Blanchetown Swan Ridge, who we speak about in, in a moment, uh, are one of those clubs that have that were just hit so hard by injuries in the first seven rounds, and now they get a few guys back. So, hopefully, they can stay healthy and fit on on the park and. And we can actually see what BSR is capable of because we didn't get to in the first half of the season. Not at all. No, they've just been kind of yeah, decimated, decimated really, decimated yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess maybe Browns, well, um, who they're lining up against uh, this week, might have even thought, well, we've got to look in here. But now they've got the players coming back. Yeah. Um, it certainly stacked it back in uh, the Redbacks' favour. Yeah. When well, the Redbacks beat them pretty comprehensively um, at Browns, well, earlier in the year, um, and they still had a few out then too. So. Yeah, the uh, the challenge is there for the, for the bombers, um, but uh, yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, with some of the guys at BSR have brought back in Troy Callan's back in. I think it might be for his first game. Maybe he played the last one too. They've got their full complement of forwards with Jed Martinson and Justin Anthony playing as well, and then and then Maddie Clark's back from a hamstring injury. So, and Maddie Clark was there. You know, he was easily their best midfielder and when he was when he was playing early on. So um, some really good ins for BSR, so they'll be backing themselves in for a big win. And they need the percentage. They they have the take Brownsville out of the equation. Their percentage is the poorest in the competition due to some big losses due to injuries and, and uh, so where are they sitting percentage wise here? So thirty six point five. They're twenty three behind Peringa. That's a long way to, to make up. Um, yeah, when you look at the for and against differential, you? yeah, three hundred points four five twenty against. So they've got a the two twenty difference, and, and Peringas is, you know, 100, 140 in their one hundred sixty in their in, in the plus uh, column instead. So that's um, three hundred sixty points they they have to or three hundred eighty points they have to make up somewhere mm. along the line. So this is their first chance at that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of ground that they've got to make up uh, on the back half of this season to really start getting a look at that bottom. Uh, yeah, well, not at the at the bottom of the the four, but even going further up the four as well to, yes. to close that ground. Yep. Um, let's move across to Paringa and Ramco. Um, this kind of has um, look earlier in the season. I would have said this probably might have been match of the round, but uh, look, a couple of times these two sides have met their match um, and and got done quite comprehensively. One being a um, Cobb Dogler Eagles. Now, yeah, I, I'm not sure where this one sits, mate. Like I, with Ramco coming into this one, Paringa coming off quite a, a substantial loss. I probably would have backed them into this one a few weeks ago, but now I'm not so sure. What do you think? I know they got a couple of couple of guys back. Paringa, Brendan Goff will come back in and, and into defence, and um, he's a pretty reliable player. Uh, my brother is named a full forward. I don't know how long that'll last. I don't think the fitness will be. Be there for him, but he's a, he's a tough player, so he's a good get for them. But I guess probably the thing is, a it's at Paringa, um, big big wide oval, and uh, you know those young young swans love to run and, and carry the football. Um, and B Ramco have got a few out, so no Cade Muir, um, no Cohen Sumner, so they're certainly not at their strongest. Um, so Paringa will give themselves every chance of knocking them off, but Ramco are top for a reason. So yeah, they're they're a tough, hard football side. They love the contested footy. Um, so if they can win, the, get their hands on the footy, that's going to be the big thing for Ramco because you let Paringa get it and they're going to run all over that big oval. But if you can get the contested footy, win it in the clinches, deliver it forward, um, then uh, Ramco should uh, should come away with a win. But, yeah, Paringa will give themselves a chance. And Steve Hefford uh, plays his 100th game for, for Ramco as well this weekend. So oh, well, good stuff. well done to Steve. Former Wakery player back in the day. Um, and uh, yeah, played played a lot of games over a long long period for for Ramco. It's taken me a little while to get there, um, but uh, well done. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And that that I guess what makes it the unknown quantity for me is not having Cade Muir up there. You know that probably would have erred me towards Ramco surefire favourite on this one. Mm. But 
Yeah, that, that's what makes this one, I guess, in a way, interesting as well um, for, for, for my liking. They've got to find another avenue to go now, don't they? They do. kicked the majority of their goals. That's so. right. So are they going to be spending, uh, you know, a quarter sorting that out or have, have they got a plan from, from the get-go um, to, you know, or, yeah, do, do Paringa – can they exploit that straight away or mm. shut it down? So it makes it so many unknown variables, um, but, yeah, in- interesting nonetheless. Yep, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now, this one I can confidently say I think is going to be match of the round here, Sedan versus Cobby. Well, yeah. It was last time we played, although I'm just looking here, Linesy. You put this down as Cobb Dogger. <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> I don't mind it, the old Cobb Dogger. Uh, actually, I think I remember um, hearing a young young kid uh, actually pronounce it that way once, so <laughs> yeah. maybe we got him in to do the typesetting this week. <laughs> nice. No, it's all good. Don't stress about that, mate. Yeah, no, it should be a good game. Yeah, absolutely, um, because, you know, Sedan have, uh, you know, they've just been working away quietly in the background and, you know, now they're really starting to hit their straps, you know, we – we know that they can win. That's their business. Mm-hmm. Um, down at uh, Sedan Oval as well, like they've uh, always managed to make that a bit of a fortress down there. Um, so for the Cobby to make a make a dent, um, look, I'll, I'll, you've got your Cobby hat on today, so I'll put this one to you as <laughs> as a coach. What what the Cobby have to do to make a dent here? You got to stop Brad Walkley. It's it's pretty simple. He's been far and away their best player. That's not to say that the rest of the team um, doesn't have an influence because they, they do have good depth. But Brad, Brad's you know up here and the rest of the team just a little bit below him, um, and they they do have good depth across the ground. So they don't have you know players that are battling out there. That you know so that's that's always a challenge here. Every single player has to beat their man. But Bradley Walkley is a um, you know a key for them because he wins the footy on the inside, he wins the footy on the outside, and uh, and he's got that burst of speed as well. So. Um, whether we put someone to him, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to wait and see tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we've we've sort of got our own plans, and we'll probably back our mids to to knock them off. They've been in some pretty good touch with Callan Head and, uh, and Murray Burton and, and Tommy Left Lefty in there, so they've been doing a good job too. Yeah, and uh, just on Cobby, you've uh, been doing a, a well a very good job because all of a sudden, start of the year, um, you know there were. Eagles are trying to find their feet, but all of a sudden a few things are going your way. There's uh, a couple of wins under your belt and you've got to look at the top four for the first time. So that must be a pretty good feeling uh, at the moment down there at uh, Cobb Dogler Memorial Oval, yes, correct? that's yes, the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, but there's Paringa and BSR just behind us. So, yeah, we, I mean, we mentioned that percentage gap for BSR, but I'm pretty confident that they could make that up very quickly and we play them next after after our next buy um and Paringa, you know we knocked them off on the weekend but we know that they're better than than what the way they played too so we can't afford to to drop another game we we just need to keep trying to win every single one and and hopefully we can we can keep our spot in the top four yeah that's uh you know now that you're there i'd imagine yeah you'd like to stay there but yeah there is uh, a fair bit of competition for that fourth spot well it's that even across the board you know yeah um so we've been wanker wanker's uh, beaten uh, Ramco and you know then uh, Sedan's beaten Wanka and and you know teams have beaten each other quite regularly throughout the season when when it hasn't been expected so um, it's that sort of year you, you just got to keep winning and take your chances when you get the opportunity and who knows that that loss that we had to BSR back in round three could come back to bite us because they were undermanned that day and and they pulled off a really gutsy win against us and um, you know that's probably hurt us at the moment because we could be sitting four and two but we're we're three and three because we weren't good enough, and they they were. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, like you just said. There's, there's still anything could happen between all these teams that have got got to play each other again. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch uh, out there. I'd love to actually go down and uh, and see it, but uh, I'm on my uh, duties down at Wakery this weekend. You're so about halfway there, mate. Yeah. I know. I could just yeah maybe do a quarter here, quarter there, or something. No, you wouldn't get nah, back in time. Now, mate, um, just before we uh, yeah we wrap things up, I think we need to touch on a, um, a very uh, sombre story uh, in the Riverland footy world this weekend. Uh, yeah, with the passing of Scotty Richards, a long time. Uh, well, he, he's really just a character of Riverland football. He, he he'll he'll be remembered as. Uh, 
Loxton's number one ticket holder, but um, he's just, you know, everyone that I've spoken to this week, they've all met Scotty at some at some point and they've all been touched by his enthusiasm for for football, for sport in general, his yep. love for the Adelaide Crows. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad, sad loss and, and a sudden loss, isn't it? Very sudden. I mean, I only saw him a couple of weeks ago at the uh, the female football on the Sunday. He was out there supporting the Cutters, um, and you know seemed in good health and everything seemed to be going okay. And had a good chat to him that day. And you know I remember Scotty. I was a young fella coming through, and I remember seeing Scotty at the footy back then. You know he used to sort of split himself between a couple of clubs back then, and you get on, you get out there and support him. And he was very passionate. You knew when Scotty yeah. was there, and um, you know, and uh, then obviously he sort of. I think he sort of just honed in on Loxton and, and really just got behind them and not just their footy club but their cricket club as well and um, just a, a guy who's a real character and just you know reading what you've put in here in the game plan I think you got it from from Bomber Miller about um, how Krug's got him in to do the uh, the speeches before the game I just think that's that's such a great story and a, a great touch by uh, by Lee Kruger to to get a man who's so passionate about their footy club yeah. in, in there and. You know, if he isn't already, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets made a, a life member one day down the track. And, um, yeah, certainly a, a big loss for not just Loxton uh, Footy Club and Cricket Club, but the, the Loxton community as well um, of, a, of a real character. Yeah, real icon. yeah, because uh, I actually uh, met Scotty um, back at the Wakery uh, – no, sorry, Loxton and Berry game uh, earlier this year. And um, uh, he introduced himself to me. Um, he worked out that I was – I was the guy writing the stuff in the in the newspaper and said, "Oh, oh, thank you for the story you done on uh, Loxton. I'm I'm going to keep the the photo of it." And I'm just like, "Oh, that's great." And we we had a bit of a chat, and um, I I did uh, he did say to me, um, "Sorry," because yeah. <laughs> because and which which now I know is uh, a bit of his uh, his uh, catchphrase. Yep. And I said, "No, no, mate, no, you're quite welcome to stay." And uh, and uh, he ended up um, sat with me for a whole quarter um, at that match, and he helped me ID players. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, just as I was uh, doing up my report, and uh, yeah, yeah, re- really cool story. And um, yeah, that that was that's that's how I met Scotty, and it was only fleeting, but uh, yep. I I. Yeah, a lot better for it, and my knowledge of football is uh, is yeah is is because of him. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you what, he wasn't afraid to tell you how it was as well. He's like I say, he's very passionate, and yeah, he'll uh, he'll, he'll fire, fire up at you from time to time as well. Back in the day, and um, you know, he was just like we said, very passionate Loxton man, and uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be sorely missed down there at the footy club, that's for sure. Yeah. So, mate, um, yeah, we're another weekend of. Uh, of footy action is upon us and uh yeah where will your travels in the football world be taking you this week well i'm on the uh the bus down to cambray mate so we're uh bussing it down there it's a, it's a long trip it will be a couple of stops on the way back no doubt to uh, have a few sherbets but looking forward to going down there and they're really uh um put on put on a good show down there at cambray they look after you um you know you go in for a drink after the game and they're a great football club to uh, go down and play an away game at. So looking forward to getting down there and seeing those boys and then heading back up this way, mate. And then off to the Mallee on Sunday, mate, for a, for a meeting down there. So I have to look after myself a little bit Saturday night. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you'll be clocking up the, the uh, kilometres on the Sandful Kia or the, the Sandful Mobile. Yep, the old uh, Sportage. Yeah, yep. yep, very nice, mate. Yeah, um, I, I'm. Yeah, as I touched on earlier, I'm heading up to uh, Wakery um, for the, for the match down there. So mm-hmm. looking forward to uh, heading down to the football factory again and see what's going on down there. It's always a great trip, and uh, it's good over to watch footy at down at Wakery. It is, yeah, yeah. It's very good. Yep, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'll be bussing uh, down there, and uh, yeah, uh, from what I've been told by the uh, the. The Wakery Faithful. It's my local because I live on the south side of the, yep. the bridge at Kingston on Murray. Well, so it's probably is Barmer or Wakery would have to be yeah your closest footy club, wouldn't they? Uh, technically, but if yep. you ask anyone from Wakery, yep. yeah, you're, you're a Wakery boy, <laughs> I'm a Wakery person <laughs> apparently. But uh, now all good fun and really looking forward to a cracking game down there this weekend. Definitely. So, Thank you once again for joining us uh, and hopefully uh, here at Kickons we've been able to quench your thirst for another big weekend of Riverland football. We've got to go. So Dillo, thanks for kicking on once again. Cheers, mate. Download this podcast on all your favourite digital platforms and hear when the Murray Pioneer and Mark's Up are coming to a club near you.